This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. Agotner Shabbos. So wonderful to be with you in this special month, which is called Chaydesh Ha'urim, the month of lights. And of course, the parshas that we're reading warm our hearts because they are our story. And in this week's parsha, which is called Vayishlach, and he sent. Yaakov, the patriarch Jacob, after 20 years of working for his father-in-law, marrying, establishing a big, growing family, returns to Eretz Israel. And on the entry into that land, what does he do? What is the next phase of not only his own development, but of being the patriarch, the example, the father of the nation, Vayishlach? And he sends. Vayishlach means, and he sent, he empowered, and it is a metaphor for all of us. We are the emissaries. Why did God send us into this world? He sent us into this world to encounter the world, to bring religiosity to the world. It's not like any other religion. Any other religion sees the world and religion as separate. The world needs to be escaped from. The world needs to be feared. The world is a dangerous place. It's a place of the Satan. It's a place of danger to spiritual ideals and goals. Judaism, on the other hand, unlike any other religion, sees religion as a synthesis. We are not meant to run away. We need to encounter as we see at the beginning of the Parsha, the patriarch Jacob comes into the land. He's finished a chapter with Laban, with Lavan. And what are his thoughts now? His thoughts are of his brother Esau, Esau. He doesn't run away from him. He needs to encounter him. He needs to subdue him. He needs to join whatever Asaph has that's good. He wants to incorporate it, elevate it. We are not here to run away. We need to see ourselves as an emissary. We have been sent by the one above. He empowers us. We get our strength, our koyach from him. We represent him in the world. And what is required? How do we prepare to encounter, subdue, and elevate the world? What do we do to get ready? The patriarch Jacob shows us. He prepares in three ways. He prepares with prayer. 
and he turns to God and he uses that classic word, kotointi mikol hachsodim, mikol ha'emes. I feel small. Jacob realized that despite his many merits, despite all the things good that we do, we are all indebted to God. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. A few weeks ago in the parasha, Yaakov Jacob had stolen the blessings from his brother. His father Yitzchak wanted to bless his brother. His mother overheard and she guided her son to take those blessings. And of course, Esau is furious. The father had hoped that if he would bless the son, he would strengthen his inner potential. He had potential to encounter the world, to synthesize spirituality with physicality, with embracing material, physical living. But he messed up. And his mother understood that if he would get the blessings, it would be a disaster, God forbid. And the vision of Abraham and the vision of Isaac and their hopes and dreams for their family and for the world would, God forbid, be doomed to failure. But Esau is angry. And now he's coming toward his brother Jacob with 400 men. How does Jacob react? What does he do? Esau is powerful. These 400 men are angry. They also don't like Jacob. These are not refined people. What does Yaakov do? How does he encounter challenge? He encounters it in three ways. He prepares a gift. He starts off by saying, let me appease my brother. And he sends him many gifts, each of which has deep spiritual meaning. He also prays, and he also prepares for war. And in his prayer, he turns to God and he says, despite all the good that I have done, despite my many merits, he understood how infinitely indebted he was to God. And we need to take that lesson as well. No matter how much good we've done, the blessings of God to us on a moment-to-moment basis, giving us life, giving us friends, family, strength, abilities, wherewithal, a roof over our heads, giving us food to eat, giving us garments to wear, giving us many, many joyous occasions giving us on an ongoing basis this miraculous body, mind, heart, and above all, our soul. And with our soul comes our mission. Kotointi, we are so indebted to you, God. Jacob was indeed worthy of being rescued now from the hands of his brother. But he asked Hashem to save him just out of God's pure, infinite kindness. 
The first step is for us to realize how blessed we are. Life's not easy. But God, in his infinite wisdom and in his plan, has included us and made us his emissaries here in this world. And everything is by divine providence. And the parsha we read this week is in the week of a very special event that took place 90 years ago. 90 years ago, yesterday, the 14th of Kislev, was the wedding of the Lubavitcher Rebbe and his Rebetzin, the daughter of the previous Rebbe. And today, let's explore what is a wedding day? Why is a wedding a day of such tremendous importance? Why is a wedding such a simcha, tremendous joy? And why would an anniversary be so important? So if we look ahead to the beginning of the next week, Sunday night, the 2nd of December, we will light, we will kindle the first Hanukkah light. That day is the 24th of the month of Kislev. And the Festival of Lights will begin, which is why the entire month is called the Month of Lights. And on Hanukkah, which is the Festival of Lights, which has made this whole month the Month of Lights, illumination, elevation, insight, we say a brocha. The second brocha of lighting the candles is we thank God, we praise God. We thank God for making, performing miracles for our ancestors years ago, in those days, but bizman at this time. The energy of this time repeats itself every year. The energy of a wedding, the particular time that the wedding took place, the energy of that day is repeated every year. The energy of a festival, the energy of a birthday, the energy of a simcha, these days are meant to be marked. These days have tremendous energy that we can draw on to connect with the original event in a greater and more growing way. So let's talk about creation. How many weeks ago? Seven weeks ago, we read the story of creation. And when Hashem created the world, Hasidic teaching explains God took spirituality, and from it he made physicality. And our mandate is to take physicality and make it spiritual. Abishter took Ruchnius, and from it he made Gashmius, a world we can see and touch. And our job is to encounter that world to embrace everything in the world, in real human life, in interactions, life, work, marriage, children, friends, 
spring, summer, festivals, weekdays, Shabbos. Every single part of this world, the way God created it, He empowered us to live in this world and return the world to its source. The world is really spiritual. It's a creation of God who is infinite and spiritual. But infinity implies that there's nothing he can't be. So he can be limited as well as unlimited. Everything that God has empowered us to do, that he's made his, his, made us his messenger for, is for the purpose of something called his kalalus, joining together, making this world a home for him. How did God create the world? Hashem said ten things. They're called the Asara Ma'amarois, the ten sayings, with ten attributes, with the spherois, with the attribute of loving kindness, with the attribute of severity or gvura, limitation, justice, with all the attributes of compassion, fortitude, humility, bonding, Ultimately, what comes out of all that? The result is sovereignty, malchus. With ten sayings did God create the world. But only two and a half thousand years later, with ten sayings, did he point out at Sinai what the purpose of the creation really is. And these tens come together. The most important ten are the Ten Commandments or the Aseres Hadibrois. Until God gave the Torah at Sinai, heaven was heaven, earth was earth. And there was a decree, as it were, that things spiritual could not become physical and things physical could not become spiritual. You could use the physical to do goodness, but it did not change. It did not absorb and reveal the holiness on a permanent basis. It was just a medium through which to use the physical to reach the spiritual. But then 2,448 years later at Sinai, after creation, came the next step. And God said, I am breaking the rule now. Things spiritual can descend and become part of the physical. And the creatures in this world and everything in it can ascend, and they themselves become transformed to something spiritual. And God himself broke the barrier. He said, And I will start. And the infinite God came down on the mountain, infinity meeting, coming down on the physical. And the entire Sinai experience is known as a wedding, that the master of the universe was looking for a wife, a kala, a partner who would make this world a home because the woman makes the home. And HaKodesh Baruch Hu, God himself, appeared as the chosen, the bridegroom at Sinai, 
and the Jewish people were the only nation who agreed to, as it were, marry him, partner with him. And the ultimate model for marriage is Sinai. The ultimate model for marriage was modeled for us by Hashem himself, the joining of opposites. Of course, God is everything, but in this relationship, he manifests as a giver, as the masculine. Everything to do with a wedding, a Jewish wedding, teaches us about the relationship between us and God, and everything about Sinai teaches us how to live in our relationships. Every preparation for the wedding, everything about the wedding, the number seven features, because seven are the midos, the spheros, building the world, building the home. And in the last brocha of the seven brochas, there are ten expressions of joy. Asher bara chosun v'kala, that's one. Sosin v'simcha is one. Chosun v'kala is the second. And then, gila, rina, ditsa v'chedva, ahava v'achva, shalom v'reus. Ten expressions of joy. Joy, rejoicing is one. Bride and groom is the, is the next. And then all these levels in friendship and rejoicing and togetherness and joining. Ten expressions of simcha, of joy, because simcha joy is what it's all about. We are taught that simcha poirates geder, Joy breaks down all barriers. And we're also taught that we must serve God with joy and that everything in our life should be a service. How do we attain, reach for, and how do we hold on to this joy? Simcha is connected to a wedding, and it's a mitzvah to make the bride and groom rejoice because it is joy that allows opposites to join. So at the biggest launch of the biggest joining of opposites, man and woman, which will present the biggest challenges to our own growth, the biggest challenges to make an eternal edifice, a bias ne'emon be Yisrael. That's when it starts. What happens is that we put everything into making the bride and groom happy. We make the simcha beautiful, the clothing beautiful, the music wonderful, the flowers. Everything is there to bring them joy. And then there's the dancing. Because God created a world of opposites. And he wants us to bring the balance. He created a world of day and night. Light and darkness, heaven and earth, spirituality, physicality. And then he made all these separate midos, the spheros, chesed, loving kindness, gvura, discipline. He made man and he made woman. 
And the goal is unity. The goal is to live a physical life revealing the spiritual that's really there. God gave us the Torah and it was a wedding. And that became the model to join heaven and earth, to join earth with heaven, the joining of opposites. How does one bring joy? How does one bring peace? Shalom, bias, peace in the home. Every aspect of a wedding needs to be permeated with simcha, with joy. Because joy is the perfect vessel for peace. We are different. We have a body and a soul. We have desires that are lofty, desires that are not so lofty. God created us in a way that we are quite self-centered, but we have a great soul, which is not self-centered. The perfect vessel for peace is joy. What happens when you feel happy? In last week's parsha, when Jacob felt happy, everything became easier. He forgot his troubles. God had promised to look after him. He lifted his feet because it became easy to go. Now that God was going to look after him, there was joy. Joy is the perfect vessel for peace. It brings opposites together because it lifts us up from the mundane, from the detail. It's joining all ten spheres, the intellectual and the emotional, into one synthesized power. Now, in this world, kindness on its own is not the best thing. You know, if I'm too kind to myself, instead of being a little firm with myself as well, if I'm too kind to my children, if I never show them any boundaries, if I'm too free and easy, I get up whenever I want, I do whatever I want, I eat whatever I want, there's no boundaries. This is not a life that can bring you to joy. But when it's a balanced life, there's a time to eat and a time to sleep, a time to go to work, a time to discipline, a time to love, a time to see, a time to overlook, a time for a well-placed word, a time for the weekday, a time for Shabbos, a time for myself, a time for my family. All of this brings us to blending and the greatest vessel that can contain this blend is joy. Every joy, every sim- every wedding brings tremendous possibility, not only for personal joy, but for joy for the whole world. We'll be right back after this. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. And a good Nerev Shabbos. We're talking about Vayishlach. Each one of us is an emissary of God in this world, but not just to change the community, to change the country. It's about changing ourselves. It's about doing the right thing with the other. 
Before my husband and I got married, we were privileged to have a private audience with the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And the Rebbe told us, we asked for a blessing to have a warm home, meaning a warm marriage. And the Rebbe said, see to it to make it warm for the other, and it will be warm for you. Let's think about all these others. God came down on the mountain. God bends down to us. We've got to make it warm for him. He's given us so much. Let's talk about this huge privilege and how God has modeled for us to be successful in our marriages. And God came down on the mountain. Infinite God comes and bends down to us. Even the big one, in our case, even the right one, needs to learn from Hashem to bend down to the other. Who am I? Why would it be right in a marriage, in a relationship, to try and see the other, even when they're hurting you? Because we were created to serve our Maker. If I have been brought by God to this situation, my response has to be true to the purpose for which I was created. He brought me to this test or challenge. I need to learn from him. And God came down on Mount Sinai. Got to bend down to the other. Marriage has the greatest potential for joy. We know in the beginning it's wonderful. But then marriage brings the greatest blessings, but we need to work hard. Marriage brings a child, which is the permanent joining of a man and a woman, the permanent joining of opposites, that comes into this world to continue to build the world. We see in all the parshas we've been reading the emphasis on family. But the question is, how do we sustain the joy? See, to make it warm for the others, said the Rebbe. We are small, but we have a big neshama. The potential is huge. But that's why the opposition is huge. We're so small. Small, infinite, transient man. But we can bring a huge nachas to the Creator. God leaves it to us to make a home for Him. He leaves it to us in our daily challenges to perfect the details of that home. Let's make it warm for him, the one above, by making it warm for the other. The main mitzvah of the Torah is, and you shall love your fellow as yourself. When there's something that you like, do it for the other. See to make it warm for the other. Yes, we're living normal life. Go to work, cook food, buy things. But that's divine service. 
And when you look at the word for divine service, the word is avoidas habayre. The word avoida means work. An evid is a servant, a server. We've got to get tired doing this job. It's not easy. Not just tired putting all our energy into prayer, all our energy into Torah study. We must get tired loving the other. Tired in our Ahavas Yisrael. Biggest challenge, biggest potential. Family, friendships, relationships are the biggest challenge. Not just because we become familiar, but because the biggest amount can be achieved. That's why there's opposition. On a daily basis, on a moment-to-moment basis, hundreds of challenges, hundreds of opportunities. And what's the first thing? Humility. I am here to serve my Creator. He's bringing me this challenge at this moment. He's right here next to me. Daily, minute by minute, hourly, ongoing, think about Yenem. Think about the other. Remember, everything is behashkocha protis. Sent this second by Hashem. He's here. He's so not only here, but he's behind everything that's happening. And so I want to share with you today an incredible story that a friend shared with me this morning. And she tells a story that in the Rebbe's neighborhood in Crown Heights, there was a Jew by the name of Yankel. And he owned a bakery, and he was a Holocaust survivor. And he once said, you know why I'm alive? He said, I was just a teenager, just a kid, at the time when we were rounded up and put on a train, and it was winter. We were put in that boxcar, and we were on our way to Auschwitz. When night came, it was freezing, freezing, deathly cold in that boxcar. He said, you know, the Germans, Yemachshmam, would leave the cars on the side of the tracks overnight, sometimes for days, without food, of course, no blankets. And it was so cold. And sitting next to me was an older man, a beloved elderly Jew. He was from my hometown, and I recognized him. But I'd never seen him like this. He was so cold, shivering from head to toe. He looked terrible. So I wrapped my arms around him, said Yankel. And I began to rub him, to warm him up. I rubbed his arms and his legs and his face and his neck. And I kept begging him to please hang on. All night long, despite my own exhaustion and my fingers being numb, I kept the man warm. My fingers, my arms were numb, but I didn't stop holding him and rubbing the heat from my body to his body. And that's how we spent the night, hours dragged on. And finally, when morning came and the sun began to shine and there was some sort of warmth that came into the car, I looked around at the other Jews there to my horror All I could see were frozen bodies. All I could hear was a deathly silence.
Nobody else in that cabin made it through that night. They all died from the frost. Only two people survived. The old man and Reb Yankel. The old man survived because somebody kept him warm. And Reb Yankel said, I survived because I was warming someone else. And that's the secret of everything. That's the secret of Judaism, of Yiddishkeit. It's love. It's seeing the other. When you warm other people's hearts, when you see to their needs, material, emotional, mental, spiritual, when you do that, you stay warm yourself. If you want your connection to God to grow, if you want your joy to grow, warm someone else. Because when you reach out to support someone else, to encourage someone else, to inspire someone else, then somehow in your own life, you feel the blessing. You feel the support, the encouragement, the inspiration that we all so badly need. That is the basis of the Torah. And that is what the Rebbe dedicated his life to. And yesterday was the 90th anniversary of the Rebbe and the Rebbetson. And at the time of the 25th wedding anniversary in 1954, the Rebbe spoke, and he said, this is the day that tied me to you and you to me. In his great humility, he credited all of this to his wife, to having married the daughter of the previous Rebbe. Life, energy, warmth is about seeing the other. Of course, we all have abilities and talents. We can all go through the motions, devoid of any pleasure, of any simcha. Or we can infuse every encounter with deep joy. We can rub others and keep them warm and thereby be warmed ourselves. But it takes zit. See, said the Rebbe, to make the other warm. You have to open your eyes. You have to open your heart. You have to see the other. What is simcha? Simcha is joy. The word for joy, simcha, chayus, energy, has the word chai, life. We all want to feel fully alive. We all have to emulate the patriarch Jacob at every turn. We have a mission to fulfill. Not to remain separate. Move away from others when they hurt you. Engage with the world. Jacob's brother was very different to him, but he didn't avoid him. He prayed. He sent gifts. He prepared to defend himself, prepared for war. But we need to understand that there is so much that we ourselves gain, the world gains, when we give to the other Remember your priorities. Remember that what you invest in will grow. Remember that story where a shliach, who was going through a rough time, he was an emissary of the Rebbe stationed in a particularly challenging location. And he came to the, to the Rebbe and he described the difficulties that 
ate up so much of his time and energy. And the Rebbe gently asked him, And how is your relationship with your wife? So the man then made an unusual request. He's asking the Rebbe. No, no, no. It was the Rebbe made an unusual request. He asked the man to write down a note describing what was going on in his marriage and how the marriage was holding up under the stresses of their shlichut in a faraway city. At the end of his note, in which this shaliach had included so many virtues of his wife, he writes all the difficulties, he writes all the virtues, and he says, maybe I shouldn't have been so elaborate in describing my wife's qualities. And the Rebbe's response was amazing. He crossed out the word not. He underlined the word should. The sentence now read, I should have been so profuse in describing my wife's qualities. See the other. Because the more you dwell on the qualities of the other, the more you see the qualities of your spouse, of your friend, of your children, the stronger your love will become. We give, we receive. May Hashem bless us with a Shabbos where we embrace every mission that God gives us and we put our relationships central. See the other and you yourself will be warm. A guten Shabbos, a guten Tomid.